y'all stand if you're able. We'll go ahead and start out for prayer, and then we'll dismiss to Sunday school. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for each of the members we have gathered here today, Lord. Members and visitors as well, because even myself, I'm a visitor here preaching for you, Lord. But Lord, we thank you for each of the people we can have gathered here, for the traveling mercies you bestowed upon us to arrive here at the ordained time that you had before the foundations of the world, Lord. I pray for this Sunday school hour that we have open minds, open hearts, open ears, that we can accept your word, learn more about you, and to let that be a part of our lives and continue to edify the light you put within us to our community, Lord. Thank you for this day. We thank you for our country. We thank you for everyone we have gathered here that we can call brother and sister, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As you can see by the title slide, we can go ahead and start opening up to Matthew 14. We're going to start at verse 13. I thought today to look at the feeding the 5,000 when the Lord broke the loaves of bread and the fish, and we had extra even after feeding 5,000. So we all open to Matthew 14, starting in verse 13. Matthew 14, 13 starts. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciple came unto him saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they say unto them, We have but five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass, and took the five loaves and the two fishes, And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up the fragments that remained, twelve baskets full. And they had eaten, were about five thousand men, beside women and children. Think about the context of this today. And I want to be able to remember this scripture because, you know, we live in a time where our society is very materialistic. We have to have the newest phone, the newest car, the newest house, the newest shiny object we can show off to one another. And we're envious of our brothers and sisters, unfortunately. We have to think about how easy it is to get caught up in that, whereas we're already been provided all we need. And we just need to go to the Lord in prayer for it. We may not get all we want exactly, but we get what we need. You know, all of us would like a brand new Cadillac, you know, a brand new house, a dream home makeover, whatever maybe that you're desiring. That's nice, but the Lord already provides it for us. Here we have 5,000 plus people, and that's excluding the women and children here. So over 5,000 people fed from five loaves of bread and two fish. And it's written that there's even 12 baskets left over remaining. If you want to look at Psalms 23.5, there's a portion of it that talks about the oil being anointed on the head. But there's also a portion that says, My cup runneth over. Indeed, my cup runneth over when I am with Christ our Lord, because he will never leave me needing. He always takes care of his children. And just like he takes care of the sparrow, he takes care of each of us. He has so many beings in his creation that he will supply for, and we are among them. We should not have a want or a need when we serve the Lord. We just come to him with prayer. God will lead you to rest also, whether it is our idea or to a desert place. In the scripture, 
we do see that there's not only a scarcity of food, but he also goes to a desert place. You know, we think desert, it's not very familiar to the land of Kentucky, but when I went out to Arizona, I got a little taste of it, along with Caitlin there. It's hot. There's no humidity at all. I think if you go to Texas or California, get some trees, it gets a little bit more moist out there. But you have snakes, tarantulas, and all these other creatures that are really out to kill you, to be totally honest. Everything's out for you, so you kind of have to be on guard. you got rattlesnakes and all that. But you go into a desert place, and you start to appreciate the trees, the grass, and the life around you more. And you're like, who would want to live in a barren place like this? You know, God is full of life, and he's blessed us in Kentucky to have these beautiful flowers and roses and trees and pollen that gives us allergies. But you start to miss it when you don't have that around. And just like that, God provides us with something we may not appreciate all the time here. It's as simple as grass. You know, in Arizona, they can't light fireworks on the 4th of July unless it rains. Interesting thing, it could start a wildfire, and we actually had one. It burned over 1,000 acres there. It was a culture shock. And you don't really, really appreciate how much rain is until you don't have it at all. I mean, I didn't have to worry about getting a drink of water while I was up training. Trust me, they made sure we were hydrated enough in case they put you in a push-up position or something crazy. But there are people that literally rely off well water and have to drive miles upon miles to get water or even just to keep their horses alive and the grass from going completely away because once it goes away, they have nothing to feed on. We find our rest and refuge in God as well. My refuge, honestly, was Kentucky. We almost got sent to Germany, and I'm just God-blessed to be back in Kentucky because I'm near my family. We're near these churches that we've been preaching at and able to visit and be a part of for a couple of different years. And God brought us to a place of rest with here. Yeah, I'm still working, you know, but we got our Sabbath day, and look where I'm at. The place where me and my wife met each other, and we ended up developing a lot of our faith through here, and it led us to become what we have the Lord's blessed us with each of the individuals here, and we've used that. We find our rest and refuge in God, and He doesn't just leave us there. He doesn't leave us in a desert place. We don't just stay in a place of wanting. We don't just stay in a place where we are fulfilled. He will always continue to work upon us, and our situations will change. He continues to satisfy all of our needs, and even goes far, further. God does it all. You want to look at John six thirty-five, John chapter six and verse thirty-five. John chapter 6, verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life that cometh to me. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. I will never thirst or hunger with the Lord. You know, there's times where I've been broke to have negative $2 in my bank account, but somehow somebody knows, you know, I didn't say anything to church or anybody to work. Or my family. Someone's always been there to take care of me, but that isn't just them. God's working through each of the individuals that touch our lives. Originally, I didn't think Caitlin would come out to Arizona. And that was a big deal because, you know, I haven't seen her probably since about March. I'd seen her maybe for eight hours, and I kind of wasted part of that time because I forgot some of my items. We had to go back to Oklahoma City for a little bit or back to Fort Sill to grab my items because I'm forgetful. I'm human. I forgot some stuff and was a little frustrated, but we took the time we got with that. But I get over to Arizona, and I'm thinking, well, I'm going to have to wait all the way until July to see my wife again. God worked with one of the members over at Faith Baptist, and I never would have thought I heard the phone call. Caitlin calls me, and she's just in tears crying. God supplies it. We were gifted 
thousands of dollars for her to come out to Arizona. Something I never thought would happen. We didn't have the money for that. My wife came out there. It was an Airbnb out in the middle of nowhere. We got to meet two fantastic people that we got to witness to and teach as well. Like Caitlin got to live out in the country on a horse ranch, something interesting that she always thought to live the fantasy of because she thinks she's a cowgirl. But she ended up enjoying it, and I couldn't thank the people enough. I know that's God working through that situation. If you want to look at Psalms 22, 26 even, we'll keep going. We're going to bounce around a lot. I know there's expository preaching and lessons and whatnot, but I like to get as much scripture in as possible. So go ahead and go over to Psalms 22, verse 26 as well. I want to make sure we give you as much meat as possible to leave here today with. Psalms 22, and verse 26. The meat shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord, that him your heart shall live or that seek him, your heart shall live forever. When we're seeking God, he's going to continue to supply for us. We follow the will, we'll see the difference in our lives. Things will fall apart, tragedy will befall upon his children. Yes, we're still his children, we're never lost into the world again, but we can go astray. And God pulls us back with the shepherd crook. However he has to teach us, he'll bring us back. But during that time... You'll experience financial struggles, relationship struggles, whatever thing is keeping you from God at that moment where you're not actively pursuing Him will get in the way. So if there's something you need, it isn't always just that, hey, I'm not seeking God. Sometimes you also have to wait for the answer too. God's timing is perfect. You know, sometimes there'll be, like I said, the financial issues. You'll be worried and you're at the day of that bill 30 minutes before and the paycheck could instantly hit right there. God's timing is perfect. It's not always on our own accord, though. But God will always supply for those who seek after him and who are his children. Go ahead and just a couple chapters over into Psalm 16. Psalm 16 and verse 11. I'll give you some time to get there. I know I'm getting you all some mapping around your Bible, making sure you know where each book of the Bible is here today. But Psalm 16 verse 11 reads, Thou will show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. God will take care of you. I'm going to keep saying that God will take care of you. He takes care of the sparrow. He takes care of the cattle. He takes care of the sheep. He takes care of the snakes even. Fortunately, I don't like snakes, but he takes care of them too, and they have a purpose. So do roaches, whatever it is. All of them have a purpose, and he takes care of them. But it says, thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. We have physical needs, but there's also spiritual needs. You have preachers that will preach the word of life through the Holy Spirit that's within them. Thankfully, this isn't coming from me because I'm not very good with my speech, but God is. Paul even talks about that. I'm not eloquent with my speech, but the one higher is. He furnishes us with gifts, with faith. He puts this joy in our spirit and gives us every single part of what we need. Everybody's looking at the physical need, but there's emotional need. And a lot of us lack that. We're all absorbed in our technology and our phones and social media. We allow ourselves to get depressed of what we don't have, but we aren't really getting these relationships anymore. We're not talking to these people. We're not fellowshipping with the people that are in our communities. Oftentimes like, oh, Facebook will get them. Go knocking on doors. Go talk to the person in Walmart. It's a little awkward, I will admit. There's some weirdos at Walmart, but, you know, a little bit of 
each of us is a little bit weird. You know, we each got our own thing. But he supplies us with all of our needs, emotional, spiritual, social. He puts us in these churches to be a part of so that we have brothers and sisters to rely upon who will take care of us, who have our backs, who have our best interest to heart. And when we go astray, they can even help us, teach us with what they've learned because each of us have a life story to help with one another. But I will note, it is easy to slip and allow these things to go away, to let these not be a priority, to not let it be a priority to seek after God. And when that happens, we get the reminder. Things start crumbling apart. It isn't God failing on his promises to take care of his children, but sometimes we do need a reminder. We're stubborn. Our hearts seek sin, and we don't seek God actively. And God works upon us to, of course, change that, but we still have that sin nature because of this nasty flesh we bear. But when we get to slip away, worries creep in, fears creep in, lust fills our heart quickly due to this flesh, and the Spirit keeps us and guides us. But sometimes we must look at ourselves and see if we are doing our will, or not our will, but the God's will, the God's will, our God's will. See if we're actively going for what He wants in our lives and not for ourselves. Caitlin can go get a job at Starbucks, but God didn't allow that. You know, part of me thinks about this. I'm like, you know, Starbucks is only two minutes away from our house, and she already knows how to do coffee. Well, Starbucks supports abortion. God isn't in that. God might have some people there, but it wasn't for Caitlin. There's definitely a purpose for the job she has. Thankfully, she's got a job with the housing. It works out really well still. But just for a couple of days, I know it's been hard on her, but she's already met people she enjoys and works with, and she can be a shining light in that community with and have growth opportunities we never would have thought about. And this job can follow us wherever we go. But we have to do the will that God has for our lives because oftentimes we can be led and convicted to all these different things, but we're like, no, why would I do that? It's stupid. You know, a lot of people, they say, why would you go preach? You don't make a whole lot of money. There's not a lot to do with it. But, you know, God wills it. God wills you to be a missionary. Missionary work, I applaud it. It's hard. You learn new languages and completely envelop yourself in a whole new culture. But that's God's will in your life, and you need to follow it. You need to follow him directly, and he will supply it all. You don't need to worry about not knowing the language. You don't need to know about not knowing the culture You don't need to not worry about anything. You have nothing to worry about. And it's hard to give your heart over completely to trust all your needs upon him because, you know, we see him working throughout our lives, but we don't physically see him, and that's faith. We talk about faith in the Bible, and faith is in the belief in things unseen, the trust in things unseen. And we may not physically see God, but we see him working through our lives, and we need to follow the convictions he puts in our heart. We have to be careful and distinguish between what's of God and what's of our heart, but... That's what prayer is for. Reach out to your brothers and sisters. Have them praying for you as well. But when we're in God's will, he'll keep us there. Unfortunately, we will stray, but we will always come back. We'll be chased back into his pasture, and we shall find peace. You know, we talk about the two brothers in the Old Testament. We all know the story. You got two brothers, one that has the birthright, and one that weak, Hated, he's not the hunter. He's kind of the meek one, kind of the runt. And they steal the birthright. They go away for years, but as he's welcomed back, the prodigal son is always loved. He realizes his wrong and comes before. He comes before his father. 
just as we come before our Heavenly Father, we'll admit our sins and where we've done wrong, but God will welcome us back. He has given food and clothes and taken care of in God's exact same way. If you're here today and you have a need, go before the Lord. Examine yourself. See if there's some sin in your life that you've been holding on to that you need to get rid of, some baggage that's been holding you back from serving God. What's keeping you from God? It isn't always an absence of things that show that. Sometimes it's the presence of madness and chaos around you. Are you tired and weary? Come to the Lord. He'll supply it. Look over into Psalm 55 verse 22. Psalms 55 and verse 22. Psalms chapter 55 and verse 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never never suffer the righteous to be moved. You know, we have all these shelters and all these nonprofit organizations. A lot of them are out of churches, and our churches, they do put some towards that they put these mission works out not because they want to get some type of tax exemption not because they want the glory because that's what God tells them to do if God puts that in the heart of the church the church will start a mission and they'll reach out to the community and they'll make that happen and we have to understand that those nonprofit organizations or those help needs those aren't by man that's by God God's blessed that church. God's blessed that individual. God's blessed that group of people with the time, effort, financial resources, whatever it may be. He's blessed them to be a help to his other children. We don't know who the elect are, but he is always working through each of their lives. And we're sowing those seeds and giving them the gospel, showing them the love of God by helping them and being there for them and being a servant in God. And that can bring them towards us. You know, when our needs are satisfied in the Lord, and that's the reason why God takes care of us, He satisfies our needs. When our needs are taken care of, we can better serve the Lord. He'll take care of you so you can be able to do His good work. We're blessed to be able to do His work. He doesn't need us, but He blesses us. You know, the Army, they give you a little bit of extra money called BAH for housing. You know, they say happy wife, happy life, or happy family, happy soldier. However the saying goes, you know, they take care of that. You know, no other job's going to give me that, and I know the Army's hard. But they know the best way that they can get the soldier to learn their MOS, their job, and to perform it well is to take care of their family because if my family's struggling at home, how am I going to be able to prepare myself for the Army? How am I going to be good for my fellow soldiers and coworkers and be supportive of them, whether it's in combat or whether it's in planning? I'm not. I'm going to be worried about my wife or maybe my potential kids that I have at home that I can't take care of financially. Well, God's the same way. He's not going to leave you wanting because the person who's wanting isn't going to be able to take care of the others. You know, even in the non-Christian world, even in the world itself, there's sayings that, you know, you can't help another person when you yourself are needing help. You can't sink yourself to the other one. I can't think about the exact wording. I'm, like I said, I'm not the best with speech here. But... You can't allow yourself to drown in your own debts while trying to help somebody else. You can try to help each other, but, you know, you have to be able to sustain yourself. God will take care of you for that exact reason. Go ahead and flip over. We're going to go into the New Testament again. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 7. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 7. 
1 Peter 5, starting in verse 6, Humble yourselves therefore into the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You know, when God doesn't give us our timing, it's hard sometimes to think he cares for us. But we have to remind ourselves he already cared for us by sending his son to die on the cross for our sins. Sending a perfect man to die for the imperfect man. His son for somebody that, yes, we would be adopted to the family of Christ, but we are literal enemies to the family of God. So he already shows his care for us. And the devil will try to convince you, like, you know, you have this debt. It's not going to go away. It's going to get there. What are you going to do? You're going to work you don't work so hard, you won't go to church on Sunday. You won't go to midweek service, and it keeps adding up. And, you know, next thing you know, you haven't been to service in a month. You're getting some discipline because you're no longer a faithful member to your church. You're no longer faithfully attending. You're not present there because you're so overworked by this financial burden. You could have prayed about it. And I'm not saying, you know, don't be responsible with your finances. I'm not saying that at all. But God's got a way to take care of you. He's not going to keep you out of church on a Sunday. He's not going to keep you out of church on a Wednesday to be able to work because there's going to be a better job for you. There'll be a better job, whether it's at the Ark or whether it's at Walmart, whether it's at Dollar General, you would be at a gas station, you can honor God and he'll take care of you. But he's not going to draw you away from him. But the devil will try to convince you that you need to take matters into your own hands. You need to start selling all your items. You sold a couple heirlooms. You sold a couple of old sentimental things like, say, a necklace, earrings, belonging to someone really far past your family that's been kept in your family for generations. You're thinking, yeah, it's a material possession, but it wasn't the possession, it was the feelings with it. The devil will steal your joy. He'll take you as far away as he can from God when you're in those moments. And it's in those moments that God puts us through the trial to see if we're going to lean on him, lean on the everlasting arms, as the songs say, or if we're going to lean on ourselves because ourselves are weak, you sit on sand, and nothing good will come of it. It'll sink. Stop trying to handle things on your own. Give them over to the God we serve, because He, and only He, can help you with this weight that you bear. Think about a couple biblical examples here. I won't have us read too much here, because you know these stories. I'm going to talk about Jacob here. Jacob, in the book of Genesis, he was sold to slavery. No, not Jacob, Sorry. It would have been Joseph. My apologies there. I had it typed up wrong. I need my wife to proofread me sometimes. But Joseph, he was sold to slavery but kept strong in his faith towards God. You know, you get sold into slavery, you're no longer a person, you're an item. You know, we can put all these, like, yeah, I'm trying to think the way I put this. You can put all these personalities to this jacket. This jacket's navy blue. I can call it blue. It can be my favorite jacket. It makes me feel amazing because it's my best friend. It makes me look good. But you know what? It's still only an item. It got sold. A person, when they get sold, they're not a person. They're an item, like another household appliance. He was doing slave work. But he stayed faithful towards God. And in a moment where he was in slavery, he was in shackles, he was bound, he couldn't do his own will. He wasn't a person. God still used him in that situation and rose him to a position in Egypt because of his gift to understand dreams. He supplied him with the gift to understand dreams. And because of that gift that he supplied him with, he rose up in the political power in Egypt, and he didn't stay a slave. He brought glory to God in Egypt, this land we always see repetitively persecuting the Christians. And he used it for his glory by supplying our needs. 
God, he literally creates the mountains and we don't think he can supply our needs is foolish. And the devil teaches us otherwise through the world and the material items we have where we always want more. But God supplies it all. He can make a mountain. He can definitely give me a car if I need one. He can give me food on my table for my family if he needs to. That's up to him to supply that. And I can't take it into my own hands. And back to this Jacob thing, he's no longer a slave anymore. Became a prominent political figure under the reign of Pharaoh. Talk about amazing. You know, even looking at our own U.S. history, we look at the Trail of Tears and the slaves we had. And you know, they were in bondage, their binds, their bondage from 1865, Civil War ends, and slavery is no longer legal. It took a while to get all that to work out. You know, political stuff takes forever. Laws take forever. And they were still persecuted. But, you know, you can even look back then. They had Christians among them that stayed strong. And, you know, I can't imagine that. You look at World War II, and I think it's, um, I forgot, the last name's Tamboom. But you hear about this young girl with her faith towards God in this moment where the Jews are being persecuted and her testimony with that. I would take a look at that. I don't know all the details. It's been about two or three years since I heard it. Somebody gave a redemption of it because, of course, Miss Tamboom's passed for a long time now. Let's take a look at that. You can really see in hardships your faith towards God when you're praying for your needs and not trying to satisfy them yourself because we can't do that. We're not infinite beings of infinite resource. We are made to rely upon God. He's a jealous God. You know, honestly, I think he loves it and delights when his children come to him with need. We're a needy people for a reason. It keeps us praying towards him. We shouldn't always only pray for what we need, but God takes delight in hearing from his children to know that we rely upon him. He is our God, our Father, and we rely upon him to take care of our needs. It's not what I want God to do for me. It's what I need God to do for me. I want God to do all these things for me because I know he's possible to do it. He can do anything. That's what I need God to do for me because I may not even know what I need. It's hard to pray for what you need when you don't know. Sometimes it's very apparent. But sometimes I don't even know if I need something. And Say there's a portion of the scripture of God I don't understand. And I can read over it. Like, I was talking to Brother Matt last night about it. You can look through Numbers and Leviticus, and your eyes will go crossed looking at it over and over again. There are all these rules for how the tabernacle will be built. There's all these tribes that would lead to the 12 tribes of, or the 12 tribes of the Jewish people of Jerusalem. But I can look over that day after day and not find any significance in it. And God supplies a need I didn't even know I had. You know, we're over at Fort Campbell, and, you know, I thought, oh, I could walk to work. I could walk to work. It's about 30 minutes. I accidentally had Caitlin do that. I was discussing with some of our brothers and sisters here. I accidentally took the car, and she was stranded, had to walk two miles, and I felt horrible about it. But I was about to put myself through that, and lo and behold, Sunnyview Baptist Church, we're talking to the pastor. He's an ex-service member. He saw my need. And God supplied me a bike. It wasn't all the way there. I mean, the handles, a little bit like gum. They were sticking to my hands. They were kind of melted. I had to take a screwdriver and cut them off. 
I do some work myself, but that's a professional mountain bike I got. I'm still working on it a little bit, but at least gets me to work. It saves me probably, gets me down a third of the time. And in that extra time, I can now put that towards God. I can type me up a sermon. I can do me a study. I can just be in prayer. Because those are times I don't have a lot of quiet time now. I now have these long lunch breaks and breakfast times to get ready for work. And now I can devote more of that to God. That's amazing. I didn't know I had a need for that, but God supplied it. Because now I get to work faster. I get a little bit of air conditioning, too, if the bike goes fast enough. If I start pedaling fast enough, I'll get some air conditioning when it's hot. But uh, I've got extra time with God now, and he supplied that need. Whatever your need is today, just know that God can handle it. There's not a thing he can't handle. Don't let the devil take your joy when he takes your finances, he takes your family, your relationships away. God will do through you amazing things, and I can tell you that. I didn't come up in a Christian family. I didn't know that I needed God either. You know, that's another need. We need God, every last one of us. And not all of us, unfortunately, will be a part of that. God predestinated all of his people before the foundations of the world, but I didn't think I needed God. I don't know if I even wanted God. I know I didn't want God, actually. I took delight in hanging out with my friends, playing video games for hours upon hours, not having a care in the world. I took pleasure in that. You know, it's a lot harder to be a Christian than it is to be an unsaved sinner. There's lots of worldly desires. I'm not going to talk about them because I don't want to brag about that. But I didn't need God in my eyes. But he brought me to a point I needed God. Talk about a real need. We need God. When everything's falling apart, God will always be there. He'll take care of you. And honestly, I'll tell you, if you're not a Christian here today or if you're not a Christian listening, it becomes harder once you become a Christian, honestly. You have the world fighting against you. You need strength with that. That's another need. College was hard. I'll tell you that. I really don't even want to go back to finish my degree, but God's working on me. I only have two semesters probably left, maybe a semester or two. But it was just discouraging. Me and Caitlin were in music education, one of the most liberal degree paths you could have been in EKU. People were bragging about abortions. They were bragging about getting drunk on a Saturday night, getting charges by law, and not being able to do all their studies, and they're falling and dropping out. I mean, we barely stuck on. Then COVID hit, and that made another issue there. But God supplied us a need that we didn't realize going in there. The first month wasn't so bad, but the second month in, we're like, this is discouraging. We have these people, and this breaks my heart that they're talking about these things, but, you know, it's easy to go and jump in and kind of fit in, get through the semester, get through all the music classes, deal with these heathens, because unfortunately, that's where we all were. Before we were saved, we were heathens, unfortunately, and sometimes we still act like it if we don't watch ourselves. But he gave us strength to deal with that and strength to continue the Christian walk, to continue to uphold our Christian walk and our Christian life story by acting how God would have in that situation. What would Jesus do? You had to really think about that. It took a lot to not judge these people. I'll tell you that. You're like, well, you know, that's a need we need is to not judge people. You know, we say all this, I'm holier than thou art. 
No, you're not. By the grace of God, you are what you are. By His grace alone are you here today. By His grace, they can be saved. And that's a need I had to be supplied. A need of wisdom and knowledge along with the strength because, you know, I can have all this strength in God, but unless I have a wisdom and understanding, I can't use it. You know, there's all these people that are Bible scholars out here and you have to be careful because there's a difference between knowledge and being supplied wisdom. I can know a whole lot about a subject. You know, I know a whole lot about Hunger Games, but Caitlin has wisdom with it. She lives and breathes it for some reason. It's one of her favorite book series, but she has a wisdom about it because she can integrate that in conversation. She can live by that values maybe taught in that book. Better example is, of course, the Bible. I can have a knowledge about that. I can know all the books of the Bible. I can know them by order. I can know each individual scripture and memorize it. Unfortunately, I don't. I'm not very smart. I'll tell you that right now. But I have a wisdom with it. And that's what's really much more valuable. God supplied me with that because when we start out as a new Christian, we're red hot. We're learning as much as we can. But it takes a while for that wisdom to sink in, to become a part of your life, and for you to actually start living it. Prayed for that need. God supplied that to you. I mean, obviously, you change your language. God supplied that need. I changed my language. God changed my mindset. That one was a hard need. A lot of times we get things we need that we don't like. I don't like sometimes my change of mind because it goes against my sinful nature, but it creates a lot of issues in my family. I love my family with all my heart and pray for their salvation every day, but let me tell you, there's been lots of arguments once I became a Christian, especially once I started praying a lot more and God gave me a lot more wisdom. Of course, we keep those arguments as civil as possible, but you know, you have different worldviews. You know, they kind of need someone to help guide and teach them. And you, want to, you don't want to lie to your family. You don't want to lie to your brothers and sisters, so you're going to answer truthfully. Sometimes the truth can hurt. The gospel hurts bad. You know, we need it to hurt. That's another need. I'm going to keep talking about needs. We need a whole lot of things. We're needy people. We need the gospel to hurt, too, and to have a sting. There's a lot of good things in it. It's literally called the good news, but the good news to us is God's continuing to work upon us and supply our needs, wisdom, physical, spiritually, socially. And we'll keep reemphasizing it. If you have a need, come to the Lord. Don't think it's out of His reach. Don't take it into your own hands. Give it to God. We'll go ahead and close in prayer and be dismissed until our Sunday service over at 11 o'clock. But if you have a need, just during this extra time, take some time in prayer. I'm not going to waste your all's time by continuing to speak whenever God's already handled that. But I just encourage you all to pray on this. Do you have a need? Come to the Lord. So Lord, we thank you for yet another Lord's Day.